0: Welcome to Drunk on Comics Podcast, episode 470. Join Linz and I on this fun adventure talking with the incredible Dan Doherty. Everything from Beardo to Touching Evil, COVID, lockdowns, conventions, everything you can think of, we probably talked about it. So grab a drink and enjoy this special edition of Drunk on Comics Podcast, episode 470, Another interview with Dan Doherty.
1: He does <laughs> kamikaze podcasting. We're
2: in the home stretch of the interview already. Yeah. It's already over. Yeah, yeah. You only
1: got 10 more minutes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: We summed it all up. I think we pretty much got it. Man, I didn't record any of that. <laughs> Recording... We are talk- we talking to Dan for five hours.
1: Recording with Eye Comics is like having sex with Tony. Quick and painless. <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh, I love this. Yeah.
1: I've heard. I don't know this from experience, just to be very clear. <laughs> Dan,
0: I don't... Well, I'll tell you from experience. <laughs> I don't know if we've, we've did in before we never really did video conferencing like now we're in the new age of video conferencing so i've never really seen your uh your work area until now
2: yeah it's pretty sweet isn't it yeah yeah it's actually you would never have seen this anyway because we only just moved here in may so this is now my this is my studio like this room here yeah i've got some guitars on the walls i've got my, like this is my computer station my drawing table's right there my light bulb board is over there. It's like it's just I can stay in this room all day, <laughs> I frequently do.
0: <laughs> so with with many people who work from home, which obviously you being writer and artist, you've pretty much done that for quite some time now. Do you have to do anything different, like to get yourself out of that mindset of like? Because I know. I've I have my well it's our podcasting recording room but this is also my office room where where I work from home now as well. Do you try to like leave everything in that room that you're at or do you start doodling on the couch and then being like nope, got to leave it there? How do you differentiate How do you switch?
1: segregate duties between dad and husband time and work time is what he's asking. Yes, <laughs> she
2: said it so much nicer than me uh well i'd like to say i leave it all in here but I, that's not true because there's times where my kids want to hang out and like do something you know whether it's like watch tv with me or um play like a a game that i don't have to pay too much attention to sometimes and so um i will go into like the living room or even like the backyard sometimes with my ipad and just get some stuff done there um I'll even sit out in the garage while they go out and play, like, in the front. Um, Excuse me, sure. Uh, um, because, like, I personally, I love being in this room, but also every now and then I need a change of scenery, you know. So if they say, like, hey, I want to go scootering. I'm like, okay, cool, I'll go sit outside in the, in the garage and, you know, be like an old man sitting there sipping lemonade and uh,
0: looking at the, <laughs> the lawn. <laughs> Yeah, I'm very uh, domesticated at this point. <laughs> now, lawn, that's something new to you, right? Because you didn't have a lawn before. And even though, you know, really like pulling the curtain behind who you really are, I don't know how much our listeners would really care of where you live. But I mean, knowing you, like you now have a new house and that's a big new adventure yeah, for you. Yeah, let's
1: give them all of your, your address, Dan. Just... <laughs> <laughs>
0: Should probably introduce myself too. By the way, right? <laughs> My name. Uh, this is Dan Doherty. Hi, everyone. <laughs> well, see, um, what, what we normally do is we'll record the intro after we do it to give a little snippet of what we do. So we can, okay. yeah. So we'll, we'll definitely have your intro. But okay, this is Dan Doherty, and uh do I didn't know if we were officially
3: starting.
0: <laughs> oh, um, I, I know. Yes, so, um, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: We can Um, cut all that shit out if you want. (laughs) I mean,
0: this is, this is all about you, Dan.
2: I love how this feels like my life right now. feels like I'm I'm telling the the back end of the front and the front and the back. Um, (laughs) Yeah. We, uh, we moved this year. So like it was, you know, to give a little context, yeah. I I work from home and I, um, my normal year would have been uh, like about a dozen convention shows, um, probably a couple book projects and, um, you know, maybe whatever other little idea or whatever thing I wanted to do for that year, whether it was music or like a side project or something. Um, and that would be a normal year. And in that year I would be, you know, just, uh, working from home most of the time and sometimes traveling, uh, with COVID when that hit, uh, I was like everybody else locked up in my place. And unfortunately when we, when we, um, got the news that you know everything was shutting down we were living in like a tiny condo we were trying to transition out of that we were going to put it on the market and and buy a house and then when covid hit we had to really like halt that because we didn't you know everything was so uncertain so all that is to say um i'm very grateful now to have an actual space where i'm not tripping all over my children and they're not tripping all (laughs) over me because oh my god it was the worst uh we were just crammed into an 800 square foot the place, the, the four of us and a dog, and, um, and really got, you know, really tested the limits of our relationships. <laughs> like, I'm really tired of seeing this person. Oh, what another six more months of this. So, <laughs> uh, so now it's like my kids are upstairs watching TV, um, and I'm in a separate floor within my own room with doors that close and lock, And it feels really good. Is there still coffee crimes being committed? There are, uh, almost on a daily basis. And no matter how much I report my wife to the authorities, they just seem to turn a blind eye. I think she paid them off, to be honest with you. I think that she's given them some sort of
0: bribe. Uh, The whole town's corrupt. And I will get justice.
2: I don't know how,
0: but I will. I'm kind of sad that that series uh, didn't continue on YouTube um you had the one video of it up and i am one of one of your many youtube followers i saw you just posted uh something from your band uh, the other day listen to that
2: oh awesome
0: which uh yeah yeah that but, was fun right yeah like, point. I, I, and i want to get all into the bands there's so much about you dan like you are the i don't know the muse of like everything artsy like you're a writer. You're a He's the muse? Creator. Or not. The, well, <laughs> what would then the muse in, I don't know, you're the.
1: You're making him, like, look at him.
0: <laughs> He's have, all flushed. I have, I have no words. Well, look at Dan. I mean, <laughs> wouldn't you get flushed too? <laughs> Was it you that set out of all the pictures for. Oh, Morrissey? my gosh.
1: Um, So Point made a couple weeks ago as we were doing our Motor City Comic Con pre-show going through all of the guests and Dan Doherty's picture is just a shining jewel among all of the rest of them and there were like you know some some titans of industry at the con this year. Scott Snyder was there, and here's Dan Doherty with his picture, blowing him away. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, if only that translated into the comic book success. <laughs> well,
0: thanks. Yep. But still, though, Dan, yeah. you, you have a lot of stuff that, that you are into, and that's honestly surprising with... How many cons you've gone to all the work you're doing um obviously we'll talk later on about the Kickstarter going on like you have a lot of things that you do that for all the artists and and friends that we know within the industry you just seem to be like the most busy yet you also seem to have time for your family like I don't understand how like where do you pull <laughs> these extra hours out of the day for all this stuff oh um, this is
2: so flattering. This is very nice. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I do like what I do. That helps, you know, I, I definitely move faster when I'm enjoying what I'm doing, which right now I've been lucky because all the projects that I'm currently working on are, are mine. So that hasn't happened too often. I usually have like, a like I'll, I'll do some work that, you know, pays the bills and then I'll do something that's for me. Um, and then, you know, uh rinse and repeat but right now no it's, it's been really good because i've been doing touching evil and Vero and then playing you know and recording with my band um and the timing of it all was just right so that i was able to do all that stuff because uh, a lot of the stuff i'd worked really hard on over the, the pandemic started paying off early this year you know so it was like i was in a nice sweet spot to be able to free up some time and then i'm just home i'm a homebody anyway like i i like going out but i don't go out unless i have uh unless i'm getting paid (laughs) (laughs) that's basically it like i don't go unless somebody's gonna give me some money (laughs) so
1: you heard it here first uh, everyone if you want to hang out with dan doherty
2: give me money I'm just thinking about it, though, because honestly, like, well, it's, it's funny because it's a, it's kind of a lyric from a song that I like. Uh, someone, It's a St. It, Vincent song. She says, uh, don't get dressed. On, I, I don't get dressed unless I'm getting paid or something like that. Um, but I, I took that one to heart because I'm like, yeah, like every time I go out now, it's like, oh, you're going to go play a gig or you're going to go to the conventions that have been coming back up. And, um, you know, in the meantime, like my wife and I hardly ever get out at all which is kind of you know we gotta fix
3: that but it's, it's, just, it's just it's cheaper to it's cheaper to make money I guess and that obviously makes sense
1: well when when you have a job well yeah when you have a job or jobs or whatever where your your work time is also fun time that is helpful you know yes. you hit it right on the the head when you said you love what you do I would not yeah. go out and party and also do accounting at the same time right (laughs) so it's terrible so yeah it's you
0: know well let's uh let's go back to the beginning of the pandemic because that's kind of what when i'm talking to people now because we're getting back in the groove of things of conventions are starting and doing interviews again and we haven't really chatted in a while like some facebook messages hey how's it going likes here and there but like you know how busy were you or like did things just obviously kind of just stop but like did you just think "What's go let's go back to the beginning you were at c2e2 and then pretty much things shut down like a week or two later what was going through your mind then and like the beginning of how the pandemic went uh all the way to the coffee bros or whatever you call your guys yourselves to <laughs> that war and everything in between
2: yeah uh that's a good it, it,
0: definitely um
2: a very memorable time for better or for worse. Uh, I, yeah, I certainly remember when I was at C2E2 and there was this rumbling that this might be the last show for a bit, you know, um, Emerald city was coming up right around the corner. I was supposed to go to that and simultaneously they were already saying like there were reported cases of COVID in Seattle. And, uh, I remember actually, uh, Ryan Brown was at C2E2 and he was like, I don't think we're going to be doing Seattle. I think it's, he, he, he called it early. Like he knew, like he had a finger on the pulse of that. And I was like, man, I didn't want him to be right, but usually is. So, um, yeah, I was definitely sweating it at first because, you know, as a freelancer, my two concerns were, um, the convention scene, which is not like it's, it's a, it's not like it's make or break for me, but it certainly is, you know, like an added source of income to my year. And sometimes, depending on the year, can be you know a, a good percentage of it. Mm-hmm. um But then also they were all there were all this rumblings of like you know the the phrase pencils down was going around a lot, where like publishers were like, hold on, you know, like if you were working on something, hold on, because we're not sure we're going to be printing
0: it right now, or we
2: might delay a little bit. Yeah,
0: that was a and big I thing was, for us, like. Not knowing, And there were some books that were delayed, like some publishers didn't put out everything because they didn't know, are we going to have to have some time to stretch out like some of these and stores were closed, you know, some comic book stores. So how they go about just digital and everything. And that's a whole nother thing. But back to you. Right. You know,
2: yeah, the stores were closed. Everything was closed. I mean, and it was getting scary. Um, I was working on a couple things and I was teaching too at the time I was teaching and that um had to transition to zoom which was not great to be honest with you um you know we did the best with what we could but a lot of those early months were literally i felt more like my my student's therapist than their teacher you know like and i don't mean to say that they were you know bothering me or anything i was just i felt like we were doing more damage control than actual education you know like that was that was the feeling that we all shared um at that school and um you know, and so with everything kind of shutting down, like it was, it was scary to me because of the fact that I don't have the same kind of job security of like a regular day job, you know, like I, the closest thing I had to a day job was the teaching thing. And that was certainly unconventional too. And that, you know, that sort of went away for a bit. So luckily for me, um I have awesome fans and friends um, who were really supportive and they were, you know, like when they started saying up, yep, yeah, this show's not going to happen and this show's not going to happen. The people that I would count on at those shows to see, you know, like uh, people I, I know I would expect to uh, have come to my table, either they reach out to me first or I reach out to them, but they were like, yeah, let me just pick up, you know, whatever you got new or let me get that commission I've been wanting to get from you or like some of them were getting like giant commissions just to, you know, just to be supportive. Like I, I know that they, you know, they they wanted it, but they also were taking that moment to um, actually act on it because they knew that it would definitely help me out too. So that was incredibly generous of, you know, my people. And that carried me through the summer, basically. That got me through uh, what I think would have been a disastrous time otherwise. Um, and as we got back into the fall of that year, you know, I had, I had work lined up that was, I, I knew was coming and mm-hmm. they didn't cancel it. Thankfully. So, um, so I made it through and, um, and we definitely lived lean for a bit because of how just, I mean, just how crazy everything was. And we were trying to buy a house. Like I said, like I was, our plans in in January, 2020 were, uh, celebrate our 10 year anniversary doing something special. We did not. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We stayed at home (laughs) and had a a takeout meal, (laughs) um, and a lot of wine. (laughs) (laughs) uh and then uh buy a house which we also did not you know because it was just so nuts but what it did do for us in a way was because we we really kind of tightened our belts we saved up a better um down payment on a house and we ended up getting the house we wanted like we in a very tough market like we we started shopping at the beginning of this year and i don't know if anyone listening has tried to buy a house this year it's insane like it's a seller's market a million percent and we got crazy lucky after striking out several times we, we lucked out with this one and this year's been going much better you know and i think it's made conventions more special now you know Like we got back like when we went to motor city like it almost felt normal like yeah i know atten- attendance was maybe a little bit uh like 10 or whatever less or twenty. i don't know what it was it didn't feel that way though um and except for you know the mask wearing it felt
0: like normal you yeah know? it, it felt like it was nice just for me going around getting interviews and just talking to people and i was telling lynn's because she didn't uh, attend this year with us i had my buddy anthony who's part of the show couldn't make it tonight and it wasn't till the end of the day that i was like i was wearing my mask the whole time like i it, i honestly don't think that it affects as many people as they think it does like you just forget you're wearing it and you're there at the con. If that's what you have to do, just wear the mask and nothing good or bad to say about it. It's just, that's what they're doing now. And it felt normal.
2: I didn't get crud either. You that's, know? Not yep. only did I not get COVID, I didn't get any <laughs> other you know, nonsense that's floating around the air. Yep.
1: That's,
0: um, a net positive.
2: It's, that's the worst. You come home with crud.
3: Well,
0: that's, that's the thing where uh, it feels like, you're either making up for lost time or you just pretty much have all those conventions that you had already planned and paid the table for. And you're just making sure you're doing them. Cause you've been on a circuit the last couple of weeks, like going to a bunch of cons and you have some more lined up and, and obviously we still are in the pandemic, but obviously seeing how safe they are, like makes me very happy because I worry about, you know, everyone going to some of these things still a little bit. Um, but again, the, the safetyness that they're putting in place, like, I think it's perfectly fine for anyone to be going to a convention. Uh, to be honest, because again, also not having the the con crud as you said, that is something that trying to explain to friends, they just don't get it. I'm like, just go to a convention and go there not just for a day. Cause if you go for just a day, you might not catch it, but if you're there for like the three days, you're gonna come back feeling something.
1: It blocks the smells too.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, wearing a mask blocks oh, the smells. Oh my God. The smells,
2: <laughs> I don't, I don't miss the smells, <laughs> the unwashed masses. Jeez. It, um, yeah, you, you were, you're right. I did, you know, five shows so far and I had three left for the year. And that first one was, you know, nerve wracking because it was the first time back. Right. And, um, that one was Kansas city, if I'm remembering. Right. So yeah, because it did Kansas city, Atlanta, with Dragon Con, um, Cincinnati. New York and then Motor City just now. And Kansas City was awesome because it's not, it's it's a good size show, but it's not overwhelming size. Like it's not where you can't manage and and space out. And they were very firm on their policies. They were like, you you have to be uh, masked the whole time and you have to have proof of vaccination. And so, you know, like what you just said, I forgot most of the time that I was wearing the thing, um, except when I, chewed gum for the first time in forever because i used to i only chew gum at shows like it's like you know it keeps your mouth from getting dry like mm-hmm. especially with the mask on so i had this thing i was chewing gum at kansas city and i had the mask on and because the mask was just a little snug like i bit my lip really bad oh no. my and then proceeded the whole weekend because it's well it's well done to just keep like, accidentally biting it every time i went to talk i was like oh god so everyone was at the table they were like i'd be talking and be talking and i'd be like
3: oh are you, I'm
2: like, are you all right i'm like yeah don't worry about it
3: it's fine
2: <laughs> so that was my only hiccup but i mean that show made me feel much better and then everyone after that was was a lot more easy to do because they've all been pretty uh, solid with their their rules and their enforcing of it.
0: Well, and I just thought of a, another good thing with wearing masks like it helps out people like Travis having more people being able to approach him because <sighs> he's hidden behind it and everything. So, <laughs> well, like
2: he's got a thing on his face that says Tra- Travis McIntyre. <laughs> 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 if you wanted to be incognito, that's not the way to go about it. Literally says the mask
0: a yeah. full name. <laughs>
2: I think his driver's license information's on there too. Social other side.
0: Yeah, but um, what? So going through the pandemic though, I saw that you had a book that sold out uh, at Motor City the weekend that you came up with in 24 hours. And again, I want to get back into some of the meme wars that you had with with friends and family, even like obviously your creative juices were flowing throughout the pandemic so like at what point did you then say hey i got to get back down to getting things done and let's just start having some fun while we're at home
2: yeah uh good question i think um i mean i don't think i ever really took a break i think there was a moment where i didn't know what to do so i was just sort of sitting there trying to figure out my next moves and actually in that moment um something I I forgot to mention, but, uh, that's when I was like, you know, everyone was saying that whole, like, this is our chance to do that thing you've been meaning to do, but you've been putting off and putting off and, you know, you just keep saying one day I'll get to it. It's like, well, today's the day do it, buddy. And I actually, I did do that. And I'm still doing it. Um, I brought Beardle back. Uh, I did it around April, I think it was. So it was like, we were about a month or so into the pandemic. And I remember sitting there and I'm like, you know what I've been wanting to do is bring back Beardo a little bit longer because I never had my son in it. You know, it was it ended with my daughter um, and, like, with a very now very popular strip, which really was, like, uh, to me, that was, you know, like, this is a great ending. Peace out. But I felt like I'm like, oh, man, but I didn't have my son in there. <laughs> yeah, and he's just... going to hate
0: <laughs> He gets older it was and just, like, like, what the heck? Yeah.
2: Teenage boys, you'd be like, "You never put me in your comic. You do love me. I hate your dad." And I'm like, "Yeah, it was done on purpose." <laughs> no, I I just felt like I I just sort of missed one piece of the puzzle, you know. And um, and you know, he was born like right after the the finale. Like, I had I finished the book. It was a weird timeline of how I I did it, but like I'd actually finished weirdo like at the end of 2016 but nobody saw the end until like mid 2017 so because i was so far ahead of the series i was posting them um you know and and i was posting them like four or five six months out you know from when i did it so um yeah basically like i, I always wanted to do that so i figured i'm trying to figure out like how to do it because i'm not gonna lie to you like comic strips are not the most like lucrative or financially solid choice to make um they tend to, you know, they're kind of almost like the bastard uh, of the comic world. You know, like, it's like, they're definitely part of the family, but nobody really gets attention. <laughs> like They don't <laughs> get the same kind right of attention. They get sat at the, the kids' table every hour even though they're a grown adult. Um, so I did it on Patreon because I've been meaning to try that anyway. You know, it, it started to feel more legit. And it was great. It was a great... Uh, way to make it justifiable the time that you put into making the comic, and it's a way better platform, in my opinion, as far as social networking. Like, just not not trying to meet new people, but connect with the people I know. You, you want to like... go to OnlyFans? <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the 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 derek's call it uh, Only Dan's if It was me. Uh. <laughs> it was like,
3: just,
2: just just me doing, uh, you know, spreading butt cheeks and whatnot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah no I did I did
2: patreon and it was great like I'm still doing it right now like it's uh I do three strips a week and then I post other stuff on the off days um so I, I kind of under promised and over deliver on it and um it, it was another way to get me through the pandemic because it was it was a uh, steady income but it was also a routine which I really needed like I needed something To make the days not blend together so much, you know, which was really tough during that time. It's like you know, you if if you weren't careful, it'd be like oh, today's Friday, like yeah, you know, like you 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 would realize like just time almost felt meaningless. So that helped me feel like okay, I know I got to make new stuff Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I know I, I have other opportunities anytime I want. I'm here to post things, so maybe I'll throw a throwback on Thursday. Maybe I'll do a sketch thing on the weekend. You know, like. And it just, it kept us entertained, you know, and, um, unbelievable. So unprofessional.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It would not be me if
0: I, why did I have an alarm?
1: Terrible. (laughs) Apologies. No, I'm
0: just kidding. So you've made Um, your
1: Patreon super accessible too. I love that it starts at $2 and you get all of the strips, right? And then if you want yeah. all of the extra stuff, including what do you get in an, an original sketch? Is that one, like how often do people who sign up for that level, which is the $20 level, how often do they get those sketches? A month. They once, get them once a month. Yeah. Um, what, a great lately. Thing. <laughs> what a great thing.
2: What a great thing. Yeah, it, it was fun for me. It was kind of easy too. Like it was, you know, because it was funny how they were um, kind of challenging me with goofy requests it's basically it's like one character per month you know whatever you want you get a little original sketch and um and i get them out once a month and i told everyone too i'm like you know it gets to be con season, i might be a little behind but i i'll catch up don't worry and they no one's worried you know like i i did like 20 of them this weekend i think so um yeah i can usually catch up pretty fast if i'm ever in in you know con season and having to juggle that with this Uh, But when it was during the uh, pandemic and nothing was happening, (laughs) I was way ahead of schedule on everything. (laughs) I was was just like, sitting there going, come on guys, bring me some more requests. Um, So yeah, that's been really fun. There's like a postcard club in there too, which is another fun way to connect with people. And there's um, other stuff I want to do in 2022. I'm trying to like just get past this Kickstarter and then I'm I'm trying to, you know, think about what's next for the Beardle Patreon. Nice.
0: So with Beardo, as you said, you already had, when you first ended it, you were ahead of schedule. Are you already seeing, like, man, this is still going to keep going and flowing for a while? Or where are you at in that process?
2: I think so. You know, it's always hard to say because, you know, when I ended the first time, part of the reason was just because, you know, I was moving on to other things. You know, like Touching Evil was taking off more. Uh, we were doing floppy cop at that point uh, with Seth. and That was really taking up, you know, a good amount of my, my mental bandwidth and, you know, the odd jobs every here and there, you know, like all the random, you know, draw eight pages of this, draw, you know, 12 of that or uh, a bunch of commissions. Right. And so it's like something had to give. And I've been doing beard for like at that point, I think 10 or 11 years. So, you know, it felt at the time like, yeah, you know what, maybe try, you know, take a step back from that and do something new so you don't burn out. But now, um, I mean, my kids give me enough material. for We're going to
0: do this like, you
2: know, blindfolded because it's just so, it's so easy with these two goofballs. And then, you know, I bring my dog in there. Um, I do like, you know, parenting stuff, uh, you know, uh, married couple stuff. It's very, it's a very domesticated humor at this point. so um but it's it's definitely not lacking for material. It's just about time, you know, it's just like mm-hmm. how much time do I have to do things?
0: So something interesting that I found out when I typed in beardo dot com, it comes up to a weird web page, well, not a weird web page. They sell hats with beards attached to them. I guess that's a brand beardo hats. And so yes. I, I was like, what? Oh, yeah, it's BeardoComics.com that is where to find Beardo and, and you at. And then what I also find interesting is you then have your Touching Evil isn't its own separate website. It is BeardoComics.com slash Touching Evil, I believe, which is so different than Beardo. And it really comes to say of how you are a man of many talents. I keep saying that, but you really are. I know that this past uh, the other weekend when we saw you at the convention, hearing different artists saying, "Yeah, I'm not really that good." Yeah, oh, well, this, you, but you're talented. When we were sitting around the fire, um, having the cigars, like everyone was ta- downplaying their own talents, but saying, "But you're good." But you're good. And really though, Dan, like hearing you even mention, like, "Yeah, I don't know this or that." It's like, dude, liar. Yeah. <laughs> You're a bold place liar because, I mean, I you know, you can be subjectively honest where someone could say they aren't that talented in this. You're a writer too, so some artists aren't good at writing, and obviously not a lot of writers are great at art, but, like, you do it all, and you do it from comic strips to full-on graphic novel comic books, like again, that just boggles my mind how and just She's how just
1: listing your accomplishments. Now, yeah. that's what this has turned into. Yeah. I'm so, uh, let's go get a drink. over here. <laughs> So um, Beardo and Floppy Cop and a lot of the commissions that I've seen you do are all very humorous. You're super funny. But then Touching Evil is something completely separate. Does that come from a different part? of inside your head? Are you getting something out that you needed to get out with this book?
2: Yes, definitely. Uh, you know, I, my relationship with this book has evolved because uh, it's, it's taken, you know, years to get to this point where it's done, you know, because I'm, it's 21 issues total, but I started it back in, I think, 2014. So I only get like a couple issues out a year um, in between, at first it was very much in between other things, you know, like I'd be like, because it wasn't paying anything right it was it was literally like i i was losing money every time i did one because i would have to hire a colorist it was the only uh job i didn't do on there um but not entirely true i had somebody doing the covers for uh the first version of it um but you know it when i first put that book out nobody really thought of me as a writer at that point even though i'd been writing professionally for a long time actually like i i was doing Beardo is syndicated in newspapers for a long time. And I guess people just didn't think of that as writing. Like I'm not even kidding. they like, Oh, you're writing a comic. What's it called? Touching evil. I'm like I've been writing comics. Like I've been writing <laughs> uh, five days a week. Right. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. It so it was all scary for me at first. Cause I realized like my perception of who I was versus what other people's perception was, was different. And I, <laughs> I love telling one part of the story, uh, which was that, um, Chris Brown from Comics and More, who um, who is a friend of mine, very good friend of mine, uh, and has always been a really good supporter of the book. He, um, I asked him, I had the back cover of the thing to sell, you know, like I, I wanted to um, get ad space to help cover the cost of printing the book, and he was very generous. and He bought the back cover, like, and he'd always have his ad for Comics and More in the back. But that first issue. He did it sight unseen. Like he didn't know what it was about, didn't know anything about the book. He just did it as a friend. Wow. And and, and I went to see 2 that year with issue one of this brand new endeavor and sold really well with it. And because I realized like, what if people don't like this writing? You know, like, what if they think it's bad? Um, and Chris said the nicest thing to me when he actually got to read. it. He goes, "Thank God that was good because I did not <laughs> have that to tell you." He's like, I was so nervous about it being bad. He's like, thank you for not sucking. I was like, thanks, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> like, at the time of that, he put his name on it. You know, he's like, I don't want this thing to be bad. That he's like, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> ad on the back. So, um, yeah, so from there on in, like, I, I felt a lot more emboldened to, to do it. I've always really liked horror and, like, um, sci-fi kind of stuff. I, I just, like when I first started in the, in comics, um, I was just really grabbing any job that came my way. And some of them turned out to be great and some weren't, but like, I felt like I was learning, um, a lot of ropes along the way, like, like really getting my my handle on a lot of things. But I think if I had to do it over again, I think I would have led with more stuff like touching people because that to me is, more in my writing style the Beardle stuff just came about out of like almost by accident you know like um I was just venting about working at Starbucks and then it got picked up by a newspaper and I was like this wasn't even it wasn't even my drawing style like it was just a little goofy cartoon I was doing like ballpoint pen when I was first doing it so wow. um you know like if I was to do it over again I think I would prefer to be you know known a little bit more for like stuff like touching evil and maybe do more stuff like that, you know, like to be able to build off of that idea or pick something else in like the horror or thriller kind of genre. Cause that's, I tend to read a lot of that stuff.
0: So. so I have a, a question because obviously Beardo is yours. Touching evil is yours. We have done some other thing collaborations with friends and, and other uh, publishers. How does it go about uh, publishing stuff such as this or your Beardo books like You have to then do all the legwork because it's just you or do you have like kind of like a friend agent or a place that you call compared to when you're doing a source point uh book they are kind of taking care of all that stuff and you just get your writing or art in or how, how do those processes work from doing work for a company compared to this stuff being yours
2: yeah they are very different i mean when you're doing your own thing it's like it's all risk all reward you know it's um you you have unless you you can get to that point where uh, you're able to bring creator own property to a publisher and, that has no proven track record yet and and pitch it off of the merit of just your name and your reputation which I don't think I'm really at that point yet but I would sure like to be you know like I'd love to be like what Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips do right where they can just go to Image and be like all right we're making this book now and they're like okay <laughs> Turn up some money you know like <laughs> um uh but but yeah like when it was my stuff especially yeah it would be you are wearing all the hats you know or you hire some you have to hire people to wear the hats that you can't do or don't have time to do right like i t- technically could color a book but i don't think my coloring is as strong as the people that i hired at all I and mean, i think that what wesley wong was the first one um and Camilla Tripp and Milena Deneno and, um, Emily Zelasco. Sean Steele did a little bit of it too. Um, I, you know, I was trying to pick people who could do things better than me and, uh, make my book better, you know, but like, then I, I was the one paying out of pocket for all that stuff and paying for the printing if it was when it was self published. Um, but when it was stuff like floppy cop, which really only had like an issue out before SourcePoint picked it up. Um, yeah, they, you know, they took more of that away from me, you know, like, we, we had the team built already, but then they helped us make, you know, finance that, right? Like, get the covers and the colors, you know, covered or something, uh, or provide a channel or an avenue for us to generate more money faster. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and yeah, he just, you know, every time I talk about comics, it makes my son
3: cry. <laughs>
0: He's like, I can't believe you still didn't put me in those. Don't go down that road. You should have become
2: a proper writer, not this. <laughs> why
3: didn't you listen?
0: Well, now I'm starting to realize why you became uh, a teacher for art, because then you could just easily pick the next up and coming, uh, you know, and yeah I, talent. I did
2: actually a couple times. I yeah. had uh Milena was a student of mine and now she's you know I mean she's always been a, a an artist that I think you know is um doing really great things and always pushing herself to do more great things but yeah she she's she and I first met at the school and I was her teacher um and then when it came around the time for like floppy cop and I was like man I don't want I, I was doing a couple of test pages in color and I'm like I don't want to do this I just want to write it I'm like who could who could I get to be good at coloring this? And I was like, Melena, Like she, and she's she uses the same program I use. She uses the same language I use, and, she, and I like her instincts and stuff. And so that was amazing. Like having her as a creative uh, collaborator on that was just really awesome. Um, And led to her doing stuff on Touching Evil too. And you know? like she she proved herself on the first one. So I'm like, hey, I could use some help on this too. And you know, it was awesome. I wish I had that class sometimes because it was it was really cool to see what you know like a new wave of art students are doing. You know, like it kept me feeling like um, inspired and challenged by them. You know, but uh, I might I'm not teaching right now, but I might do it next fall. We'll see.
1: Nice.
0: Comic books are going that well for you that you don't need your day gig. I'm just rolling in it, man. It's
1: that, it's <laughs> that Patreon cash. It's that,
3: it's that
2: sweet <laughs> Patreon cash. No, it's like, it's, it, 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 got, it was a good problem to have where I had to turn down a job. You yeah. know, yeah. alone with these kids. And, <laughs> and they will be the death of me. But um, no, I, yeah, I, 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 I miss the school part of it sometimes, but it was the year what it was and the amount of work that came through at once
0: I was like something's got to get it again and this time it was this whole yeah. cool thing so so and I, I it's a perfect segue to go into your Kickstarter but I still want a quick touch on your band stuff because that's also taken off as well sounds like you have some new members or it's a little bit bigger and it's like again how do you have all the time for all this and everything just keeps going your way so somehow all of a sudden so <laughs> I
2: guess. It's it's interesting that you think things are going my way. So like I, I'm constantly <laughs> racking my brain. God, I wish it was. I wish it was doing this or that. Um, no, but I, you're right though. You are right. Things are going really well. Um, uh, with the band stuff, yeah. Like during that was another thing during the pandemic. So once um, one thing that happened, which was really cool, was um, my drummer who you met back you know when we did the the gig. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Brett Brett Figura. He had, um, a folder, a Dropbox folder that was called Brett's Beatbox. And it was like file after file after file of just these random drum beats that he made, you know, like he would just kind of make up some stuff, no music, no, no, you know, no, um, uh, no, notated music, no, nothing. It was all just percussion. And, um, and I just started going through it because, you know, what else are you going to do during the pandemic, right? And I'm just going through it. And I'm like, oh, this is fun. Oh, that's fun. It's giving me ideas to, like, write songs. So I, I wrote a couple with them. And then I started writing some without his drum stuff. And and then I just started writing. And then we, we um, once the vaccine came around, we went into the studio. So that'd be early 2021 because I got mine pretty early. Um... We went in the studio and started making the second album, um, second solo album of mine, um, which is called Fun Times Ahead. And uh, and it was just like all of this pent-up energy from the, the previous year finally got let out, and it was just so fun. And, and we were just, and, and in a moment, you know, the, the guy who runs the place is, you know, my friend Bill uh, Aldridge, who runs Third City Sound, you know, I was, I, I started just going, going like, Hey Bill, what if I had horns on this? You know, like that, that would be a question I never used to ask. Cause I'd be too like, you know, bashful about it. Um, but you know, then I'm like, you know what, this song, I can hear some horns. And there's like, Hey, we got the third city brass there. They can come in.
3: Nice. And
2: so that's, yeah. And, and they did. And then I was like, Oh my God, these guys are great. And they made these, a couple of the songs and they're like whole new animals. And so then I was like, do you guys ever want to have a couple gigs? Like, just to do this (laughs) and see if it will So it evolved and it um, really worked out that Will, the the, the trombone player, Will Cooper, um, also plays keyboards. So I'm like, I've been in need of a live keyboard player for forever. I'm like, you want to just join my band? He's like,
3: yeah, let's do this.
2: So I think we're just all very happy to be back making stuff after... A long time of you know that stuff being canceled, you know, like or pushed back, or so yeah. There's like a whole new energy kind of with with the performances too. Like you know, it's like I I think we're we're feeding off each other and we're like almost acting like tonight's the last night. You know, like every every night we've been playing, it's like what if this is it? What if we don't get to play again for six months? You know, it's like you you just start making it count that much more, and every show has been killer in my opinion because of that like just been really good um and we have a few more coming up right now and, and what's great is when you play a gig and the, and the venue's like hey we need to have you back you know what nice. that's yeah that's nice like, to hear that's, that's when you feel like okay we're on something so yeah it's been really awesome and, and it's it's always been my release from being home so much is going out and playing that makes me feel really like it, it like re- it's like a reset on my brain so it good.
1: Do you have a dream venue in Chicago specifically that you would love to play?
2: Yeah. Um, well, I have a few. I mean, if you're going crazy, right, I mean, let's say, you know, if you're talking like your super group or something, then you obviously want to play like Wrigley Field or something like that. <laughs> um, even though I'm not, like a, I'm not a baseball guy, but I've seen shows there and it's really fun. Uh, the Metro would be really fun to play. I I got to play there uh, a lifetime ago. We my band when I was in my twenties. Um, we won a um, a Battle of the Bands thing. Like it was like a three or four round thing. You always had to take like first or second each round, and so we did. We we won, and so we got to go to play the Metro for like a half hour with thirteen other bands, uh, or twentieth no twenty other bands, um, and. Being on that stage for like a half an hour was one of the best feelings ever. Because it was like thousands of people.
3: Right. Yeah.
2: Um, most of which you didn't know you, you know, so you're playing to a whole new crowd and it was so cool. Um, so I'd love to play there again. And in a weird, here's a smaller one that I'd love to play because um, it's coming back The Double Door. So the Double Door closed years ago, or yep. I think during the pandemic, or I
1: feel like it was even before that. Yeah, it's all blurry now because of,
2: you know, but like, it was a while ago that they closed. I used to play the double door all the time. Like I missed the, when they, when they uh, closed down, like I was like, that was a blow, you know? So they're opening up a new one, I think soon. And I want to play there just to get that feel back, you know, like hopefully it has some elements of what the double door used to be. Cool.
0: Well, let's get on to, why we really have you here <laughs> i mean honestly though all of that is pretty much what I, why i wanted to just talk to you anyways i know that we do have some more uh, pertinent uh things to get to which is i mean your kickstarter is already paid for anyways so like you know you already meet <laughs> met your goal so do we really even need to talk about it
1: yeah he's got stretch goals <laughs> we
2: need those stretch
0: goals i think get- but uh the original uh, goal on this was $10,000 and right now as of this recording with you it's at 18,158 and 229 yes. backers. That's pretty good uh chunk of people that uh want to get get a hold of this here and you still have right now 11 days to go so what I don't know when that would be ending then what the mm-hmm. 5th November 5th Perfect.
2: Remember, remember, just remember.
0: God, I love that.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The timing of it worked out perfect. It was almost a perfect 31 day campaign from like, um, I think I, yeah, like I launched on October 5th. So, yeah. Um, Yeah, we were at 18K, like a little over 18K, which means that we've unlocked four stretch goals. Everyone now gets uh, digital wallpaper. Their book comes signed now. Uh, The book also comes with a foil embossed cover. So if you get the, the volume three, um, and then a bookmark, um, a touching evil bookmark, uh, we just unlocked that. The next one is a vinyl sticker at 20 K. But then after that's when it, to me, the ones that I really wanted to unlock, you know, because I selfishly just want to you know, to tell more stories and have more fun with the thing. Uh, they're all the ones in the 20,000 range, like the 22, 24, 27, 30. So it's like, at 22, I'm going to add a bonus story into the into um, your pledge as a PDF. At 24, we're actually going to, we could actually put it into the physical book. Um, and then 27 and 30 are a crossover comic of Beardo, Floppy Cop, and Touching Evil, which I
3: really nice. want to do.
1: So are you? <laughs> really, if you were to do that story, would all of the art styles? Um, exist in one book or would you adjust them so they all fit the same art style what are you setting yourself up for here
2: <laughs> i think i would keep each individual art style its own thing in there but they all interact and i think i i, I mean i've already talked to seth about drawing as part of it but i really want to get like you know seth's art in there um with my beardo style and then touching evil and i might even throw in like we, we're getting goofy with them. Like, what if I threw in some of the kids' books characters too? <laughs> Those are crazy different styles too. And I'm like, I might just go nuts with it. I don't. It's I can do whatever I want with this. It's on my Kickstarter, so nobody tells me uh, no on this. I, you know, it, maybe I'll throw in a thousand no's or do you speak fish or something. But um, yeah, it. I did it with uh, the first campaign. I did a, a story called Touching Beardle which was, I thought, very funny. Um, it was it was uh, Beardo and, and Ada from Touching Evil having a meetup and her using the curse on him and finding out if he's evil or not. But it had a burrito in it. It had laughing facial hairs. Um, it had uh, all kinds of just goofy, just, you know, random jokes. Like, she made fun of Beardo's eyes because they're, you know, they're weird little orphan Annie eyes and, He made fun of uh, the fact that he wrote all this terrible stuff that happened to her. (laughs) So like,
0: you know, it was
2: really, it was the, the fans really dug it. Um, I got a lot of good feedback about that particular edition and it was a physical comic. It was really an actual thing. So yeah, I, I loved it. I hope I get to do, I hope we get to that point, which I think is possible because I think I haven't tapped into all of my fans yet like i looked at just from a number standpoint the previous two campaigns that i've got like 340 something backers in them each and so if i'm at like 229 right now like there's more people out there who i know want this thing or would want this thing if they knew about it and it's the whole breaking through the algorithm and breaking through the spam folders and breaking through all those Mm -hmm. those roadblocks You know, that's what's been so uh, challenging with with this particular day and age of kickstarting. Like, it's it's literally not like it used to be, you know, where you can post a campaign and people actually see it, and now it's like you got to pay for advertising or you have to, like, individually message people, which is always a – I feel like I'm, like, you know, rattling a tin can with a coin in it. Do (laughs)
1: third-rate podcasts.
3: (laughs) Yeah, do do these crazy podcasts.
0: (laughs) Well, I I know exactly what you're saying though. It wasn't until I think you were a part, like a couple days in maybe five, 10 days in that. I then saw a post from you, you know, that, Oh, you have a Kickstarter going like, I must've missed the first like 20 posts that you had of Kickstarter is starting or it's coming down. Like weird algorithms going on social media that, yeah, unless you pay for it, They're pretty much suppressing some of that, so there probably really are some people that may miss out on this because they didn't know, which it's unfortunate for them uh, because that's how Kickstarter works, but I mean, is there ways that you'd probably have some of these at some, some of the places that you go next year, like going to some cons, like you'll have some books to possibly, if they missed out.
1: Well, we don't want to sell that yet, right?
0: (laughs) They need to go to
1: the Kickstarter. (laughs) The people who are listening to this podcast need to go to the Kickstarter. Go to kickstarter.com and search for Touching Evil, or I think you can search for your name, right, Dan? Yes. And it'll pop up, and then you, you back the project. That's how you get this volume three of Touching Evil, the final volume. Says Dan, we'll see. He said that about Beardo too, but <laughs> well, let me
2: let me clarify what I mean by final volume, um, just so people know, because I had somebody ask me this yesterday. Uh, a friend of mine um, from uh, comics and War, uh his name is Michael. He's, he's like, oh, I'm just so he was really bummed out that it was the finale of Touching Evil, and I was like, just to clarify, it's the finale of Ada Mansfield's story, like the, the ah, main character. Okay. And the beauty part of the the curse is that, you know, it's it can be passed forward or backwards, right? Like, we, we can go back in time and tell the stories if I wanted to, which I, I do, um, of previous bearers of the curse that kills evil with the touch of your hand. Um, and then I can also go forward past this one if I want to, and have another person who has the curse, and just you know, play out a whole new story. It's a really fun premise. That you know, I would even if, if I was in the right scenario, like I would even entrust with like a, another writer. That I like just see what happens because it's it's like one of those almost like a prompt. You know, like okay, you got this curse. Put it in a time and a place. Give it to a, a particular person who would have a unique use for it, and then off we go. You know. And so yeah, this is this completes this trilogy. Okay. Um, yeah, and and to yeah, we definitely want to push the Kickstarter <laughs> <laughs> like, like, in case in case this because this happened with Floppy Cop. This is a bum, This was a, another bummer when Floppy Cop kickstarted for volume two. um Seth and I were really kind of underwhelmed in a way by the amount of people that showed up for it. We were like, man, I know we have more fans than this for this book. Like I've seen the numbers like and it was after the campaign was over all of a sudden we were getting messages from people like i never even knew you had a campaign like i didn't see it i didn't see any posts about it and i didn't hear any of the you know any of the shows you went on or whatever like they just missed everything and and, you know we made enough you know you you make enough books to sell to beyond the backers but um but that was a bummer because i think it would have shown you know, like, people look at those numbers as a metric of success for the book. Like, if right. it, it performed yeah. better, it might get the attention of, you know, Hollywood or something. I'm not saying that, that would happen, but you you know what I mean? Like, like it might get more, like, success breeds more success kind That's of true. thing. Um,
1: this book, this story yeah, that, is ripe for options. I mean, it yeah. would make a great movie or a series or, like, a
0: dramatic, something on Netflix.
1: dramatic podcast, you know? <laughs>
2: But love it! Like I, I've been, I've been kind of working on that in between all the other things. Well, it's I heard like you were trying... contacted
0: by a head of Netflix at one of the shows. <laughs> 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 who told you that? <laughs> Did I tell you this? You told me were this you, story. Was, you...
3: I yeah,
2: I told you. I forgot who I told it <laughs> This guy. Oh my god. This guy was so rude. He was,
3: <laughs> should I tell the story or I, tell I don't
0: know. You tell it. It's it's a great story.
2: Okay. So, yeah, this guy comes up really just kind of – kind of looks like Woody Allen, actually, like with, with like, bigger hair. And um, and he, and he was, like, kind of, like, just looking at the table and looking at stuff. And I saw under his arm he had a copy of Salvagers, Bob Sally's book. And so I was just trying to be friendly, and I was like – Oh hey, if you're looking for Bob Sally um, to sign it, he's he's right across the aisle. Like right, I could see him across the aisle. And the guy goes like this, and he goes, sticks the finger up, I'm like no no no, I'll tell you when I'm ready to speak. And I'm like, okay. And so I just went, I'm not dealing with you anymore. And I start drawing what I was drawing. I was sitting there drawing in a book. And so then he goes, okay, so uh, pitch me on Touching Evil. And I'm like, jeez, oh, here we go. Like. I, I don't like you already. So, like, <laughs> how many words used for the least amount? Yeah, that's the right. So, I said something like, Yeah, it's a woman. She can kill anyone with the touch of her hand. And he goes, Well, what defines evil? And I go, Read the book. And he, he goes, Oh, I'm, I'm scouting for, for talent. Um, you know, I work for Netflix. He gave me his name. And then he gave me another name. He had two names. He had two different <laughs> names. He goes, You can search me under this name research me under this name like well which one are you like and he's like well i'll tell you what take down my phone number and give me a call and i'm like well, do you have a card I'm like we're we're in a show you're just, just writing down phone numbers like i'm at a pay phone um and i, and I was like how about you, do you have a card like, i don't have a card I'm like,
0: just... yeah you're you're part of netflix and you don't have a card like how
2: I actually started out because he said his names. And like in the moment, I'm like, oh, really? And, I'm, and then I'm like, I don't look you up on IMDb right now. Let's see what I see. There's nothing. It was nothing there. And I mean, I don't know if he, you know, if there's a world where like you can still have nothing but be a big player, but this guy was not that. And so he was like, all right, well, good day, then, juicer. And then he, he scurried down the row, and he went to Kaitlin Smith and gave her the same spiel, except she took the number. So if we really want to find out who this guy is. We got to talk to Kaylin and get that phone number so we can get that sweet Netflix money. And then we can all retire uh,
0: on a yacht inside of a yacht
2: <laughs> on, on our own private
3: island. So yeah. Oh,
0: I feel like I want to, I'm going to have to do that sometime if there's, cause we know a lot of, you know, our same con family, but if there's anyone that becomes new into the group, I would love to just do a prank where, just come on guy.
1: Tony looks like he would work and it be an executive for Netflix, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. look like uh,
2: yeah. Like, like a Woody Allen type. This guy. It was so yeah, he was so he was cartoonish this guy. That's how goofy he was. Like he was just like poorly drawn, poorly written.
0: So I, I just want to say that the one thing when I was saying that they could possibly get the book later is more or less to say, have you say, no, they can't so that you know, <laughs> I was setting you up there. It wasn't me. Uh, I'm trying to save my own ass yeah. on that one. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's,
1: That's what I'm here
2: no, for. I mean, but if you get the book in the campaign, you do get stuff that people won't get. Like all that stressful stuff is yours for free. If you just back, at the base level, like it, the even just the, the hardcover, not even the add-ons or anything else. Um, the Slipcase is going to be very limited, the one that holds the three volumes. Like I have to order a certain amount of it, but it's going to be a one and done thing. Like when I'm done with it, I'm done with it. I think I'm going to get maybe, I think it's 500 I'm getting. Um, and yeah, like once those 500 are out, I don't have any plans of making that again. So like it's, you know, if you're, if you're a fan and serious, you want to have all the stuff, it just makes sense to go into the campaign. Also, you get your name in the book too, in the thank you oh. page, like you get to actually.
1: People love that. I, I've done that
2: in all three volumes. Um, and, you know, it's just an extra way to say thanks to the people who were there at the start, you know? So that's that to me, I always like that when other books do that. So I try to do that with mine too.
1: And that's for the $100 or more, you get all three books, hardcovers and the slipcase? Yes. Yeah, if you're back
2: at that level, that gets you the entire series um with the, the and they're all the hardcovers are all the limited edition thing like first point doesn't make the hardcovers i those are just mine gotcha. um and and you get the slipcase that you know collects them nicely and displays them beautifully i'm very
0: excited about it <laughs> now i want to ask where can people buy the tarot deck and the challenge coins at cuz i have them both but i see them on this kickstarter but I'm not seeing where you can get them on the Kickstarter. Is that just there to?
2: No, you can. Um, so what they've been doing now, which is really cool but is new, so I think some people aren't used to it, myself included, um, is the add-on features. So okay. once you, once you pick your your pledge level, right, your reward, once you get that, then you're taken to another screen that says like, would you like to add on any of these things? And you can add on the challenge coin, the tarot deck. The slipcase. If, if you, you know, pick the level that didn't have it. Um, the, uh, uh, any of the previous two books, if you're just looking to you know, if you're missing volume one or two, um, yeah. I mean, even other stuff of mine, like you can get floppy Cap on there. You can get uh, the children's books. You can get Beardo. Like if they're all available to be added on. Um, and the beauty part is that all that stuff is actually done at this point. Like that's, that's made. You know, I don't, have, you don't have to wait on that. What we're, All we're waiting on is this book and the slipcase. All the other products are already here in my inventory. Well,
0: that's cool. I'm glad I asked that because I did not know about the add-on feature, and it's a good thing to know. I, cool. I, I, have, I picked up the tarot deck from you the other weekend, which it is beautiful. It's awesome. And I've never really been into tarot decks until recently, and I just find them interesting- like beautiful art like you get how is it 78 cards in a deck i don't know a bunch of cards in the deck that they're all individual cards like that's how did that come about
2: um yeah good question i i like tarot i'm I'm admittedly sort of a novice but i got more into it by doing the the series the the deck um and learning about it. Uh, when I first thought of it, it was because in volume two, there's a character who is reading tarot. Um, and I was drawing, you know, the cards in the, in the panels I was actually drawing like little, little touching evil versions of the cards. And I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. Like, and then I, and I was researching it around that time too, cause I was trying to get a good reading for this, the story, like a good read of like what she should say to the person. So. I did a couple more cards to, to flesh out the, the, the issue. And then I was like, I think I, I think I really like this. This is fun. So, um, again, my friend Melena, who, um, you know, I uh, was my former student and, um, current colorist and artist and friend. Um, she's really into tarot as is Allie Cantarella, as is, um, my friend, uh, Len Cody. And I was basically just, picking their brains for like, Hey, can you give me more reference and research? And like, you know, like what are the, what are the um, typical visual elements I got to keep in mind for each card? What is the symbology? Like they just really held my hand through the whole thing. And I loved it. Like it was really fun. Um, and I, again, if I had more time, I would do like a deck every year because they're like with diff- different themes because they're super cool. Mm-hmm. And people love Like I didn't get a chance to really road test it until this con season because I got the deck after the pandemic hit. Like I finished it before, but it took like twelve weeks to show up, and by that time we were already locked on it. Mm-hmm. So um, I never got to see if people would react to it at the table until this these past shows, and people have been loving. It. I've been selling like ten, twenty decks a show. It's it's really cool. Yeah,
0: um, I mean it, it. It really is a. Uh, whether it's a gift or whatever like just having this many pieces of art on each card you don't even need to really like tarot to do it just getting this for it's 20 bucks i think that you're selling these for i don't remember yeah yeah they're just
2: 20
1: what a great christmas gift that people can buy for their friends and family
0: (laughs)
2: what a great idea everyone (laughs) Nothing says holiday cheer like reading tarot for all the
1: year. Let's normalize that. <laughs>
0: yes. But yeah, uh, and then the other thing I do want to uh, quick touch on is the the challenge coins, because... Yeah. <laughs> I heard you got
2: called and you actually had it on you. I you? know,
0: because that's a first for me. <laughs> yeah, we... Was... used a pummel you all the time, because <laughs> you would never have it on you. I would always forget it. I knew exactly where I left it at home. Which is
1: impressive.
0: I kid you not. Yeah, it just, I forgot to grab it off of, like, my nightstand. That, honestly, was the first thing going to my first con in over two years that I found and I grabbed and I put in my bag. Like, honestly, Dan, I want you to just know that I was thinking of you the whole time. Like, I need to find that damn coin because they're going to pull it out and they're going to get me and I'm going to have to owe them all drinks. So, I'm glad glad I had it. Yeah, anyone who
2: doesn't know, like, Challenge Coins, they're... You can just have them to have them. I mean, you don't have to participate necessarily, but most of my friends do where, you know, if they know someone else has has a coin or owns a coin, you basically you take a coin and you present it, you know, put it on the table, and that person has to then present theirs. And if they don't have theirs, they have to buy a round of drinks. If they do have theirs, the challenger has to buy the round. So Derek had to buy, right? Yeah. Because he had it.
0: Yep, that's great. And, <laughs> I know it was so great because again, he thought
1: he was getting free beer.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Derek, Derek went in like just being like nine bloop. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I'm
0: like, nope, not this time.
2: Yeah, I love it. Oh,
0: um, yeah, there's
2: there's probably like a hundred something people out there right now who have a challenge point, so you never know. You know, you got to keep your head on a swivel.
0: I mean, it honestly is fun, and if you are um, a fan of Dan, it's great to just have one because you'll meet other people that friends fans everything you name it that that will have one and so if you go to conventions they're fun and i i don't ever try to challenge dan because he just will pull one out of his butt somehow and and have it even though (laughs)
2: every every orifice (laughs) um yeah, well, I mean, I have to keep one because I would be broke if I didn't have one. You know how I many people would come up and be like, all right, Doherty's buying, and I would I would lose my house. It would be terrible.
0: But see, that, 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 That's his trick, though, is he makes it seem like he doesn't have one so that someone will challenge him, and then he's like, nope, you owe me a drink now, and that's how he gets free drinks when he's at conventions. yeah. <laughs>
2: Yep, the griff never stops. <laughs> um, I was even doing something fun. Like, I, I did this once, I think. Um, that comic, the improvised comic that you mentioned before, which is this here, uh, blasphemy Dance. Yeah. Dance. Um, I was... It, it, the coin isn't just for the roof the, the of the, the drink thing. Um, it was also, if you came to my table at C2E2 in 2019, or, no, sorry, 2020, um, and you showed your coin, you got a free issue of this. You got a free copy of that. So it's not all just taking. I give I give a little <laughs> bit back. Every now and then. And then it just takes some more, you know. But yeah. no, it was fun. It was, a, it was a good, fun way to get, you know, to have like a fun moment at the table, right? Like where people I know who are going to come up anyway who are my friends, mm-hmm. you know, um, we could still have that kind of like fun exchange of the coin without it turning into like who's buying around, you know. so. Yes. And then for newbies, like people who didn't know me at all, they would just buy the coin right there so that they could get the issue for free. And then, um, you know, I kind of made a lot of new fans that way. It was really fun because then they'd be like, "Dude, what about that coin? Do I
0: get another free issue when I see it next?" I'm like, "Maybe we'll see." (laughs) Well, Dan, uh, once again, it was a pleasure chatting with you as we wrap up because we could talk to you for another four hours about everything and anything that's just how it seems to roll sometimes um still have uh multiple days left on this kickstarter so for those few backers that don't know about it if you're listening to this podcast right now go out and back it like there's definitely a lot of different levels for anyone that wants to pledge for however much you do the add-ons now that we know are a thing on kickstarter so definitely get a tarot card and a challenge coin because You'll enjoy them no matter what. And uh, where can people find you, Dan?
2: Uh, they can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Beardo Comics. Um, you can find my website, which has a ton of information, you know, a ton of different places to go from there, uh, which is beardocomics.com. That's got my shop on there. That's got, um, you know, con appearance schedule, uh, a link to the Patreon um the patreon itself is um patreon.com backslash bureau comics or you can just search my name dan doherty um and that's also true with with kickstarter if you search my name or if you search touching evil you'll find the campaign so pretty easy to find um and if you do ever ever want to contact me my website has a, a contact page too which i i usually get back to pretty quickly on
1: because Dan Doherty commissions are also really great gifts to give to friends and family for Christmas. <laughs> 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 having received one myself in the past.
0: <laughs> well, Dan, thank you That's so good. much uh, for your time. And uh, listeners, stay thirsty for more touch and Evil because I guarantee this will not be the end. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it.